When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Street! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 588! 397! I don't know what Dragon Smoke is. I do know what Dragon is. Dragon is a route combination of a slant and a drag that's usually run by a running back. So you have a wide receiver on the outside, and he runs a slant, and underneath that, a running back comes out. That's the dragon concept. But I don't know how what dragon smoke is. I anyway, just want to know what red poly is. Whatever Andrew <laughs> Blue Poncho is Blue Poncho. definitely a good one. <laughs> um, all right, time for hot routes. And I don't think we could do it without steaming hot NFL music, because this one is going to get... It's going to get a little sexual. I'm just going to tell you that the truth. The second question, it gets weird. But we'll start in a different place. Judd Zolgan in studio, Manny Hill, Jonathan Harrison for our Hot Route segment. We'll do it every day where we go around the NFL and uh, relate a little bit of ourselves sometimes to NFL headlines. Marvin Lewis, fellas, is joining his old friend and Manny's best boy, Herm Edwards. Yeah. You guys uh, had a deep connection while he was on the Patrick Royce show. At Arizona State. So Marvin Lewis going to go help out Herm Edwards there. Question for you guys. Was Marvin Lewis a good NFL coach? Uh, I believe there was a time where the answer is probably yes. He, he did a nice job. But here's the thing. And um, the, the problem is a guy like Paul Brown, who owns the Bengals, could never identify this to save his life. Every coach, unless your name is Bill Belichick, in this day and age of the National Football League has a shelf life, mm-hmm. and it was allowed to extend on too long. And so so Marvin Lewis overstayed his welcome because the Bengals wouldn't pull the trigger on saying, your time here is done. But I think in fairness to him, when you look at the guy that moved uh, from defensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens to coach the Bengals for a fairly extended period of time, and yes, he did not have playoff success, but he had some success, I think there was a time where he was a pretty good coach. There were some pretty good Bengals teams along the way, and and it, it's kind of a shame that they sort of dribbled down their own leg and just couldn't couldn't get out of their own way when they got into the playoffs, especially that last time, two thousand fifteen against the Steelers. I mean, but there were some pretty good 
pretty good Bengals teams that just, for whatever reason in the postseason, just couldn't do anything. I think for whatever reason is that outside of Carson Palmer for like two years, never really had a good quarterback. Yeah. And they decided to just lock themselves in to Andy Dalton and say, you're our guy, as opposed to continuing to look for a quarterback. Then they missed their window the year Dalton gets hurt 2015, and they fumble it away. Jonathan? Yeah, I'd say good. I mean, his career record's just a little bit over 500. He never won a playoff game, but I'd I'd say good, not great. I'm going to go not that great because they had been down for so long that they were able to build that roster during his time twice for, like, Tear it down, build it back up, and by the time you get to 2015, that thing is stacked through the roof. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you have uh, Marvin Jones, who's a tremendous wide receiver, is your number two, and then A.J. Green is one of the dominant players. Andrew Whitworth is your left tackle. Their defense is completely stacked, and even before the 2015, they're still building this up. Mike Zimmer is your defensive coordinator, and he's got great defenses year in and year out to have zero playoff wins. And I know there's bad luck. Carson Palmer's ankle gets rolled over and things things happen. But to come away from that era with that much regular season success and zero playoff wins, it's very hard for me to get to good as an NFL coach. More of you were the coach during two rebuilds with a lot of good draft picks and players that worked out, and you just could never get them over the hump. The franchise, though, is not well run, and they it's practice true. and they practice very below true. a freeway. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have That's an true. indoor bubble. That's true. It's, so it's that's a, not a great job. It's amazing. I'm just looking through his career timeline, his record year by year with the Bengals, 16 years. There were so many times where you look at after these some of these some of these seasons, like how the hell right. did he Why keep was he his not job? Fired? Yeah, 2008, they went four, eleven, and one, and that was the third year in a row they missed the playoffs. Paul Brown. At that, at that point, yeah. they had only made the playoffs once in the first six years under Marvin Lewis, and like he kept his job after that. It's unbelievable. All right, now here's where it gets steamy, boys. Our second hot route. Pat Shermer, old friend, said this in a press conference at OTAs about Eli Manning and Daniel Jones. Quote, they're very calm in their approach, but they're both fiery under the covers. A, what? And B, how long are we giving Pat? How long is Patrick Carl Shermer going to be the head coach of the New York Giants? Uh, I'll take those backwards and say, B, uh, Shermer and Gettleman will be blown out after this year. That's going to be a package deal. They're both gone. A, I can explain this perfectly. I completely get this. I'm I'm worried, but go ahead. They're both they both have they both have in the eyes of of Gettleman and Shermer, Manning and uh, Jones both have perfectly calm outward demeanors in public so but but when you close the bedroom door these two get pretty fiery and when they're playing football they get pretty fiery so i just just wish he had said something about football i mean just under the covers like whoa i get what they're saying completely but question b gettleman and poor Shermer are gone after 2019 it uh the quote Reminds me of a certain ludicrous song from many years ago. The caller, you might know what I'm referring to. Judd probably has no idea because Judd's not a hip hop guy. But yeah, that's a, it's a little, it's a little weird. But yep. <laughs> you know, it's it's unfortunate because I actually really like Pat Shermer a lot, and I think he's a really, really good offensive mind. But this, this is just not going to work in New York, is it? I mean, it's just with Gettleman and just the 
Daniel Jones, and I, I just this does not look like it's going to go very well for Mr. Shermer. So you mean when Ludacris says he wants a lady in the street and a yeah. freak in the bed? Yeah. Yes. So that's yeah. basically what Pat Shermer <laughs> that, said about Eli Manning and Daniel yes, Jones. Yes. I get that. I mean. All right. <laughs> I'm glad Judd understands what they're saying, because I have no idea what I was going to say we say the same thing about Jonathan, and then I looked at it and I was like, I can't do it. Appreciate that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think Shermer's unfortunately done after this year. It's unfortunate because he's one of the better offensive coordinators the Vikings have ever had, but he's just not. I mean, it was a bad situation All right, in New York. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go heat on this take. I think that the... New York Giants will be a 500 team and Shermer keeps his job after this year and then gets an opportunity to work with Daniel Jones after that. Struggles and is fired halfway through that season. <laughs> if he had a decent GM, I might agree. But Gettleman, he is, he is basically a hockey hire. Yeah, he is a guy yeah, who was you successful. You bring him in and this is a mess. But, but here's why I think it will last this year. Washington looks bad. I could see uh, Dallas's defense being not as good, and they're a beatable team. Maybe they split. Philadelphia probably won't ever be as strong as they were again after the Super Bowl. It's still a, not an easy division, but I could see them being an 8-8 eight and eight team, and then they'll say, oh, look how much progress we made under Pat Shermer. Congratulations, Pat. Good job. And by Eli Manning now, we want Pat to work with Daniel Jones, so forth, and then it doesn't work. Then it goes downhill. Do you think we'll see <laughs> Daniel Jones at all in 2019? Um, I'm going to say that we probably don't. Maybe like for a Week 17 game when they're out of the playoffs or something. I think they're going to ride with Eli Manning for one last year. That they, they went so crazy when Bob McAdoo put him on the bench. They can't do it again <laughs> because all of New York lost it. Uh, all right, next question, way less sexual. Daryl Bevel, you guys are familiar with him. Mm-hmm. He is now the Lions offensive coordinator. This week he said he will, quote, always be about running the ball. Where is the Lions offense going to rank this year in the National Football League? Let's go reverse order. Are you ready, Jonathan? We'll go Jonathan the other way around the room. Uh, they were, what am I, I got it 25th in scoring last year. I don't see what they did in the offseason to improve on that. I think they'll be right around that area, if not bottom of the league. Manny, how do you, how do you feel if you're a Seattle Seahawks fan right now and you hear Daryl Bevel say, "We're always going to be about running <laughs> right, the yeah, ball." Right. You know, if you're a Seahawks like, fan, like you're probably think not of a happy time where that. you should have run the ball. Yeah, I I don't I don't think this offense is going to be very good. Matthew Stafford is he's another one of those guys that needs I think a lot of talent around him to be pretty good, and I just don't know if there's a whole lot there. Golden Tate's gone. Yeah. And, I mean, they're a few years removed from Calvin Johnson being gone. I don't know if there's just enough there for them to be very good. Let, let me throw out a quick hot take here for you. Because Bill Buckner has been in the news quite a bit for the ground ball. goes under his legs and he passed away this week. Not running the football is 50 times the gaff of a regular baseball error in which Mookie Wilson beats him to first base. I would bet my life on it. If you did the physics and the math, how far he was down the line and how good of a play it would have taken, I think he beats him to first base. I always thought that was the most overrated gaff that we talked about constantly. Not running the ball is one of the most ludicrous things that has ever happened in sports when you have Marshawn Lynch at the goal line in the Super Bowl. Uh, okay, now now go ahead. To me, the Lions will finish uh, 27th in the league in scoring, but Bevel right now is flat out lying through his teeth. Yeah. That's a complete lie. 
That statement is a Bev. I, I covered him for about four years, and I liked him. But he always—he's a football guy. He thinks he's smart, and he's trying to throw out in May. We're going to be about running the football, and they'll never see Matthew Stafford coming. Well, yes, they do. So, but the the Lions, the Lions are a complete mess. There's going to be change there. Unfortunately for Bev, he he might get swept out along with a bozo of a head coach there. So. I think that the Lions defense will be good this year with the talent that they added and Matt Patricia, I believe, is a good defensive coach. Now, we always focus on how Belichick's guys have never had a ton of success, but they have had little flashes here or there. Josh McDaniels in Denver, Romeo Crennel, I think, had a 10-6 and season with the Cleveland Browns. They always do something, a little bit enough to put them on the map. So I think Patricia has them halfway competitive, but their offense is still going to be Bad. Just downright bad. And TJ Lang retiring made that worse. All right. Next hot route for you fellas. The Colts have signed former Vikings camp hand Chunky Clements. I couldn't say Chunky Clements enough times when he was in Vikings camp in 2017 because his name is Chunky Clements and he's a defensive tackle. It's perfect. What is the best NFL nickname of all time, fellas? Uh, before my time, without a doubt, though, Elroy Crazy Legs Hirsch, Los Angeles Rams receiver, who I believe, if I'm correct about this, went on to become the athletic director at the at the University of Wisconsin during many of their down and awful years. But Crazy Legs Crazy is an old school awesome nickname. Uh, well, there's there's I have two. Number two is Snacks Harrison. That's just I mean. Yeah, a defensive a defensive is, lineman right. named nicknamed yep. Snacks is fantastic. But my number one favorite football nickname, and I have it as number one because two different players that played in the NFL have this nickname, and it's Taco. You have Taco Charlton, yes, for the Cowboys, and do you guys remember the wide receiver named Taco Wallace? No, he kicked it around. I think with the Seahawks for a little bit, Taco like the mid mid two thousands. He was like a late sixth or seventh round pick, wide receiver. Anything or something, to do but... with food and a nickname is great. Yeah, in but, the NFL. So Taco, Taco, Taco yeah. Wallace is fantastic. Jonathan, does the fridge count as having? Oh yes, something yes. to do with food because uh, yes. that's Absolutely. right up there. Absolutely, the fridge, is the fridge, just and he wasn't that big. Go no. back and look yeah. at him now. <laughs> He's not that big. I I know. I mean, he was like two seventy five, two eighty five. Yes. I will go with one of my top, I think, five players of my lifetime in terms of me enjoying the play. Prime time, Deion uh, Sanders. Yeah. Neon Deion. It matched up so perfectly with who he was and how he played that somebody calling themselves prime time. you got to be that good, and he was definitely that good. Uh, but shout out to Chunky Clements. I wish him the best of luck. <laughs> All right, last hot route for you, Judd Zelged, Manny Hill in studio, and Jonathan Harrison producing. Let's say the Vikings created some cap space. I'll just throw out a number: seven point six million dollars. Just out of you know, I don't know how exactly. I know, just that's a number I thought of. Totally random. Now, now let's say that going uh, out of training camp into the season because of the pup list, the IR, the practice squad, they need three and a half million. What would you do, supposing that a certain tight end was traded to create that much cap space? What would you do with the remaining cap space? Would you, at what position would you find a free agent to bring in to help the Vikings roster? Manny, you want to go first on this one? 
I would probably try to find a, a, a tight end. The problem is, is who's going to be out <laughs> there? Right. You know, I mean, you're, you're you're if you're letting Kyle Rudolph go to free up that space, I think you're going to need another tight end to step in and take some pressure off of Irv Smith. And I don't know who who's out there, but it's, yeah, it's not it's, a great situation in tight end free agency yeah, at the moment. I can I tell think, you that. I think, and and if that's the case, I would probably try and find a third wide receiver. But again, who's going to be out there? I got uh, Jermaine Gresham, Dion Sims, hmm. Ryan Griffin. Might know Gary Kubiak. What? <laughs> hey, Marquise Gray. Gas for him. You guys remember Marquise Gray? Go for oh, quarterback. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Go for fans definitely remember. I was going to say uh, I don't like any of those options. I think I'm keeping all my cash. You're just gonna. I think I might hang keep tight. All my, I think I might hang. If I create that much gap room, I think I might just say I will sit on this cash until I absolutely know where I need to use it. I don't know. Mine would for sure be the third string wide receiver. You'd want if you're going to get rid of Kyle Rudolph and have hope Irv, Irv Smith can do something as the number one tight end as a rookie. You'd want at least a third wide receiver. But you option. just heard his list. I know. There's nothing else. Well, that was the tight ends. That was the tight end. I, I didn't look at the wide okay, receivers. Look at the wide receivers. It's unspectacular. I mean, Pierre Garçon is still out there. Michael Crabtree and Jermaine Curse. I mean, those are NFL players. TJ Jones is another guy that played with the Lions. Like, these aren't complete bums. These are guys you've heard of. Brandon LaFell, Andre Holmes. Uh, I can't believe Darius Hayward Bay is listed as an official still free agent. <laughs> wow. Really? Hey, how about wow. Kelvin Benjamin? You you need a guard? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You talk about a guy that can't run routes, right? <laughs> That's right. Uh, that is, Speaking of that is our Hot Routes segment. We'll do it every day where we look at the headlines around the NFL and have some fun with them. OTA Talk with Zolgad. When we come back, you are listening to Everyday Football Talk from 2 to 4 on Purple Daily here on Score North. With Irv, you know, again, I just go back to I think he's 20 years old, right? And I, I think it's so impressive for a kid, and maybe it speaks to their program, it probably speaks to his parents. He's just, he's here and he's very serious-minded about his business. Uh, we have some fun with him and, and that, but I just, I'm impressed by the kid. He breaks the huddle. Most of the time he knows what to do, and he's, and he's playing fast. And I could just see a kid that he's young, but there, there's, you could see this kid developing into a veteran that knows what to do every single time. Um, and his skill set, again, put on display a little bit there. He, he's he's a threat in the pass game, but we didn't draft him just to be a threat in the pass game. He needs to be a complete tight end for us, and that's really across the board on every one of our players. Jed, is it just me, or does Kevin Stefanski sound like Aaron Rodgers in his voice? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. The cadence. Do you have any Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. I would love to hear Aaron Rodgers back-to-back with Kevin Stefanski. To me, yeah, I can I, hear it. I mean, standing in front of him, I never thought of this, but now hearing it just into the headphones. Yeah, without like, the this face. Sounds a lot like Aaron Rodgers. That was kind of, that's kind of weird. See what you could do. Um, until then, I, I'm going to make Jonathan's life even worse. So don't worry about that. Uh, because he has to do a ticket giveaway. <laughs> we have a pair of tickets to the 11th annual St. Paul Summer Beer Fest, which is Saturday, June 8th from 1 to 5 p.m. at the Minnesota State Fairgrounds. So if you would like a pair of tickets to the St. Paul Summer Beer Fest, Saturday, June 8th, when summer finally gets here, sometime in mid-June. I was going to say, why are you going to guarantee that? I know. What do we got for weather? 60s today, I think. Ooh, actually, all right. I'm going to stop complaining because it's in the 70s today and then it 80s, is? 80s Thursday and Friday. What's and the temperature? And looks like a nice weekend. What's temperature right now? 70 right now. 
according okay. to phone. It was 66 on my drive-in. All right. Yeah, it was Fair a little enough. chilly when I was out there practice, but it looks like Thursday and Friday are going to be nice. So by June 5th, it will be, wait, June 8th, it will be full summer. So if you would like these <laughs> Why tickets. Why do you keep saying this? Because this has been you obnoxious. Every year it's been every terrible. Week, every no. week you're like, the Friday's going to be last gorgeous, year, and then the weekend it's like, it's going to rain. At this time last year. It was 85 degrees. I just got to assume that summer started in the middle of May, and that's when I was oh, going yeah, to start you know, wearing shorts and sure. being happy don't with assume. life, and it hasn't happened. I've been very upset about it. So anyway, if you would like these tickets to the St. Paul Summer Beer Fest, Saturday, June 8th from 1 to 5 p.m. at the Minnesota State Fairgrounds, call this number, 651-646-8255. We will take fifth caller. 651-646-8255 is the number. All right. Zolgad, let me tell you something. You can react. Irv Smith today ran with the ones because Kyle Rudolph was off at a golf tournament. Not traded. He was impressive. He was quick, and he made a great catch in a red zone drill in the back of the end zone. And then I had a chance to talk with him, and he... I would say had a little bit of a different tune from draft night where he was much more, okay, here's what I have to do to get better as opposed to like, ah, no one can stop me. I'm king of the world. Second round draft pick. Totally fine. Right. Draft night. A lot of guys are like that. But when you come back a few weeks later and go, whoa, actually, this is pretty serious and I've got to work on these details. That's That was his tone today. And then Kevin Stefanski said that he's kind of older than his age suggests, and maybe that's from playing for Alabama and Nick Saban, um, but he's been catching on quickly and has sort of a, a, a mature disposition. Mm-hmm. All of that is impressive to me. When you look for signs of OTAs that are total BS and ones that are probably telling you something that's actually there, yep. I put both of those things under the telling you something that's actually their category. Yeah, you know what? I see see what you're saying. I I guess my overall feeling about that is this. I need at least two or three regular season games to not not see necessarily where the player is at when it comes to ability, but mentally. Because I've seen guys swing a lot as far as draft night. They say they're cocky and they're all sure, full yeah. of themselves yep. and it's bravado. And then they come back and practice a few times like, whoa, I just got, you know, that, that's tougher than I thought. And so they're a little bit more humble at that point. And then training camp comes and they have a great day and they're cocky again. And then they don't have, have a great day. <laughs> uh, so I really need, need to see probably, let's say, three to four games to see how a guy handles not just the successes potentially, but more importantly, the failures as well. And it's at that point that you can get a pretty good grab on, does this guy have a hold on what it takes to be successful in his first year? Now, I completely agree with you that until you get, I mean, even a half a season worth or a little more in some guys' cases who are top draft picks who don't show out right away, and then all of a sudden, second, third year, we've seen this with a number of cornerbacks where after the first year we're going, is this guy the real deal, or what's why isn't he playing as many you know reps as he's supposed to, or whatever else the case might be? But um, in terms of trying to pick up on some hints from OTAs, I think it does start here, where we start to get the sense for what type of skills someone has, what their approach sure, is, yeah. how fast they're catching on. And I always listen, Judd, for the things that are not being said. If 
all Kevin Stefanski said about Irv Smith was, well, you know, I mean, he's a good athlete and he's going to have to come along like everybody else. I would probably go, okay, is there something else that, you know, isn't being said here? But to talk about his disposition specifically and how fast he was catching on, that's something that in general, from being around over the last couple of years, they haven't lied about. If a guy's coming along quick with the mental part, usually he actually is. And watching where they've lined him up on different days, today there was one uh, personnel grouping that they used with three tight ends, and he was the wide receiver. And I'm starting to think, at least now, if we're trying to take this leap to way forward here, all the way to September, but opening day, Mm -hmm. I think the first play from scrimmage, Mm -hmm. assuming Kyle Rudolph isn't traded, you have two tight ends on the field, and we're going to see that personnel group more than any other one, and all the rest of the guys, these wide receiver threes, they're just going to rotate into spots. And I don't know what kind of position Laquan Treadwell is going to have, but that would be my guess for right now how this is going to work. But this is where Collar, that Kyle has got them, right? Kyle has got them because they need that. So, so Irv Smith's involvement and progression is going to be very important, but I don't think that that depends on Kyle being gone. I think that depends on Kyle being there. Because if you subtract Kyle now, and it's Irv Smith, that not only puts a lot on a rookie's plate, but it's also asking guys who probably aren't capable of doing things to play key roles. So I think this is where the Rudolph camp knows full well from his agent to him to his entire family that they've got the Vikings here. Because tell me this, if you subtract him, so if you either cut him or trade him, but on opening day he's gone, what do you think then, personnel grouping wise, is the potential success of the packages that with uh, Smith and Kyle both in there certainly would probably be fairly high? Uh, I mean, if they believe in terms of both, like just both scenarios, if he's there, then they can use him all over the field. And teams know he's a tight end. This is where, if I were an opposing team, I'd be like, make him prove that he's a tight end. For us, he's just a big-ass wide receiver. But let's see if he can really block in those two tight end sets before we put in another linebacker. That's if it's me. I'm saying I'm staying with my nickel package, and I'm going to make you guys prove it. Every NFL team, though, I'm not sure that they'll do that. If you get any NFL team who wants to put in three linebackers against personnel where you have one receiving tight end who catches everything and another one who's fast then you do have a distinct advantage there. But I think that teams are coming along with defense. And last year, at the beginning of the season, we saw everybody going berserk with offense. Oh, look at these numbers. They're crazy. We've never seen anything like this. By the end of the season, those NFL coaches who get paid a lot to be NFL coaches found a lot of ways to slow down those crazy offenses. And we saw that in Mm -hmm. the Super Bowl, especially with Belichick. But we even saw it against the Vikings offense, where it started out really hot, put up some big numbers, and then teams started to adjust to the things that the Vikings couldn't do. So my guess is that where this was a huge advantage before this two tight end thing, the teams will be ready for it. Now, if you do not use that because you trade Kyle Rudolph for cap space, then it's going to have to be by committee, I think, wide receiver three. I really do. I good think, luck with that. Yeah, Com- I know. Comparatively? I know. that. How does that work? I think that's a big drop-off because what you have is you have multiple skill sets. So Dylan Mitchell made another great catch today, just blew by a cornerback. I don't know the corner. He's, it wasn't Xavier Rhodes or something, but he just blew by him, and Jake Browning threw him like a 50-yard touchdown. So you got this great athlete in Dylan Mitchell. 
And then with Jordan Taylor, he's 6'5", so maybe he's your red zone guy, your possession wide receiver. You have Chad Beebe, who is the slot receiver. He's got quick feet, really good hands. It, it might be that you end up with this guy gets 15 catches, this guy gets 17 catches, this guy gets 20 catches, and you have to rotate them in depending on your situation. That is a lot harder than having a wide receiver three. That's a lot harder than having your sort of, um, you know, H back and line up anywhere type of second tight end. Yep. And th- this also goes back to the conversation that we've had um, since the season came to an end as well of if you do that. So if your wide receiver three is basically a hodgepodge, how comfortable does that make the quarterback consistently? Because this whole, we've been talking about part of the goal here with Kubiak and Stefanski and everybody involved is to make Kirk Cousins as comfortable as he could possibly be. Yep. And the one thing that we know about him is he is going to throw to that guy. So if I if mm-hmm. I deploy uh, wide receiver three out there, and I think he's an okay player, but I'm not completely confident, guess what? He's going to get the football. So So he has to catch that ball, which to me circles back to Kyle Rudolph does not feel a need to do the Vikings any favors because he knows ultimately that if he is shown that door, it's the Vikings who are going to be like, oh boy, we didn't we we had to do it, but we didn't want to do it. When do you think we get resolution? Uh, I would think historically based analysis here. When uh, do you think? I believe we would get resolution before the mandatory mini camp. Is my guess. Okay, so that's the middle of June. And by the way, if we don't, and I'm Kyle, I might not show up. Because I'm at that point, I have to force your hand. Right, you right. have to be a big. You got to be a big boy, Vikings, and make a decision. All right, we're gonna take a break. On the other side, Judd, there are a couple things in this world that make you smile. One is ketchup. Love ketchup. The other is beer. Love beer. I think you like stadiums without roofs. Love that. on a beautiful summer night. Gorgeous. Yes, I've got something that'll make you happier than all those things combined. When we return, and it pertains to the Minnesota Vikings. Really? Yes. Awesome. That's when we come back. You are listening to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. I have got it, Judd. I have found the thing, little nuggets that came out today from Vikings OTAs that will make you as happy as watching a pond hockey game with... Oh, I think I did see this. I think I know now what you're talking about. So here it is. Yep. (laughs) The Minnesota Vikings have added former kicker Nate Kading to their staff as the kicking consultant, which has been a Zolgad idea for I don't know how long you have said keep Zimmer away, keep Prefer away. Of course, they have a a new special teams coach now, Mike Prefer in Cleveland. Keep everybody away from the kickers. Get a real kicker to come in and work with Dan Bailey or whomever might be kicking for the Minnesota Vikings. And you know what, Judd? After 14 months of you suggesting this or so... <laughs> did I, did I is, hammer it home a little too it much? It has finally come to fruition. <laughs> you have your day, Zolgad. I am absolutely ecstatic that Zim has now had removed from his plate everything he detests in life, right? Because Kubiak's here now, so offense is gone. You know, Flip, he still had, uh, he was still Flip's boss. But now with Kubiak and Stefanski, that ship has sailed. So he's done there. The only thing left was Dan Bailey to drive him crazy. And now he's off his plate. It's like, it's like Zim had a plate, right? And he had, he had a steak and he loves steak, 
But then there were some peas. He hates peas. Someone else take the peas and some carrots. He hates carrots. Someone else take the carrots. The peas and carrots are gone now. It's just the steak. Just Zim, the steaks, all, just the defense. All Zim has to do is worry about the defense and everything else. And yes, the kicking, the kicking consultant, for as much as we joked about that, it did amaze me that it took this long to take that step. Because guess what now? If Dan Bailey does something, Mike can call up Kading and say, Nate, can you handle this? And Nate can handle it. Or better yet, Mike can not call up anybody and Nate can just handle everything. Here's the problem Uh-oh. with Nate Kading. You didn't tell me the problem. So uh, I now just, you're dropping this on. Just Googled Nate Kading's name. Yeah. First thing that comes up yeah. is a Bleacher Report story from 2010. Yep. Labeled this: Nate Kading, playoff choke artist. Well, then he fits perfect here. What are you talking about? <laughs> then he fits the he, Viking. He fits the Vikings resume perfectly. In 2010, he missed two field goals, including one that would have tied a game against the New York Jets, that ultimately pushed Rex Ryan's New York Jets to the AFC Championship game, and the field goals were 37 and 40 yards. Now his career. <laughs> He is amazing in his career, especially for the time that he kicked. Now, now everybody makes 80% plus unless you play for the Vikings. But with him, 86% field goal percentage Mm -hmm. in an era where kicking was getting a lot better, but was not that good. So he is one of the best kickers ever. I just thought it was really ironic that they would hire a kicker who had some very serious playoff gaffes, but maybe he can help with... Getting over them when they ultimately happen. But here we are. I just like the fact that Zim no longer has to worry about yeah. this position and and fret and uh, continually threaten the poor kicker. He's, but he's, uh, let's see, Nate Kading is ninth all time. You will never guess who's 10th. You'll laugh. This is great. Ninth all time in percentage? Ninth all time in field goal percentage. All time in Dan, the history of is football. Is Dan Bailey 10th? No. Dan Bailey's fifth, actually. Okay. Kai Forbath. <laughs> oh, okay. Who they cut and then missed a bunch of field goals last year. They missed more. They had the lowest field goal percentage of the league last year, mm-hmm. the Vikings as a team. Mm-hmm. And they cut the guy with the 10th highest field goal percentage in history. Because, because, Hilarious. They, because they were mad that he couldn't make enough extra points the year before. It never had anything to do with actual field goal attempts. Despite, right, making a 52-yard field goal in the Minneapolis Miracle game, maybe the most clutch field goal in Vikings history. Cool. Uh, anyway, so here we are. Nate Kading is the kicking coach, and you are very much right about Mike Zimmer. This is a great job by them, I think. Like, take, yes. Take, like Zimmer. Yes, this is the smart move. You're so right. Here's the thing about Zimmer's strength as a defensive mind, because you might say, oh, when a head coach is only good at defense, like what's he worth, right? Well, I mean, okay, Sean McVay is only good at offense, so that's one thing. But Zimmer is so exceptional. When it comes to calling defenses, he's got a lot of talent. But this is a guy who has not been outside the top half of the league in defense since 2007. And over the last couple of years here, I think I ran it for the last three years, they are not only the best third down defense in the NFL, they're the best by like 5% from the next best team. I mean, he is a wizard when it comes to calling defenses. And I know that there have been a handful of times, including the NFC Championship game, where it has not worked out. Things have gone wrong. His schemes have been beat up. 
But that's the NFL in 2019. You're going to have those Rams games. Sometimes they'll happen. But the Vikings still come out with one of the best defenses in the NFL last year. It's worth the shortcomings to know that your defense is pretty much guaranteed year in, year out to be in the top 10. Every single year, it, it lowers your or it raises your floor. The worst se- if you have a top ten defense, the worst season you can have, unless things go completely off the rails and Jake Browning is starting a quarterback by week ten. Unless that happens, if you have Kirk Cousins and you have Mike Zimmer, it's hard to not win like eight games. I mean, last year was the absolute floor of what they can do. If the defense is that good. So he's worth having as your defensive minded only head coach and trying to just fill in these other spots. And the special teams coach that they hired wasn't a former kicker. He's just a guy who's worked his way up and knows his special teams. But kicking is a very, very specific type of skill. It makes a lot of sense to bring in Nate Kading. Special teams coaches in this day and age of football should not be in charge of the kicker by themselves. Why are they? Hockey's got goalie coaches, right? Yep. Goalies and kickers, to me, are similar. They're odd ducks. They need their own guy. So so to say, all right, I, I want you to come up with um, plans for kickoff coverage, punt coverage, blah, 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 right? And then, oh, by the way, be in charge of kicking? It makes no sense. Now, here's the story that I would love love to see, and it would be very hard to get at. I would love to know where this current Vikings coaching staff ranks in terms of salary compared to the rest of this league because they got to be way up there. Kicking consultant, oh, sure. now, kicking yeah, consultant, absolutely. Gary Kubiak's got to be a million plus, right? I would guess so. I, I don't think he comes here for anything less. I would guess as well. So the fact is that these guys, and, and there's no uh, obviously cap on coaching, these guys are spending a huge amount on coaching right now. Let me ask you a question before we wrap up today's Purple Daily. ESPN did a piece with all 32 teams, the story of the season. What is the story of the 2019 season going into it? What would you expect that story is via ESPN? And our friend Courtney Cronin, who wrote this. I got to think it's the it's got to have something to do with the success thereof of one Kirk Cousins. It has to be. You are correct. Can Kirk Cousins take himself to new heights in year two? Mm -hmm. Can I make you guess a few more? Of course, yeah. Okay. How about the Houston Texans? Oh, see, I always default in May to quarterbacks as well. Correct. So Deshaun Watson. You are 100% correct. I I mean, I don't mean to do this to all of them. I'm not making fun of the article, but if I had you guess Steelers, or if I had you guess guess Baltimore, or if I had you guess... Even Miami, the quarterback, the quarterback, the quarterback. Who do you think has the most interesting story of all of these, though? Like, uh, of I know you you didn't read them all, but who has the most interesting story of the upcoming season? And because I think the Vikings are a top five most interesting Hmm. story of the season because not that they have Kirk Cousins and can he take a step, but how much they paid for him and why they brought him. You know what I think? I think right up there as well, top five, easily, the Rams. The Rams. Because I I like Jared Goff, but I don't know completely. McVay is outstanding. But again, I go back to what I've said for all these years, which is the second the season, 2018 season, came to an end. These defensive guys like Zim do nothing but sit in dark rooms and watch film. Yep. And deduct, how can I stop that? And so the, the Rams, to me, are a very interesting story. Because if somebody gets the secret sauce there, 
If somebody can say, man, they're tipping this off or they're doing this too much, it doesn't mean that they become unsuccessful, but it certainly can change that dynamic. I also think the Chiefs, now I think the Chiefs are incredibly well run and Mahomes is a special quarterback, but sometimes we become convinced that these quarterbacks have turned a corner and they're going to Canton and it's only one year. Right. Yeah. No, And that happens all the time that... There's always a worst to first, but there's usually a first to worst, which I don't expect the Kansas City Chiefs to be. Uh, yeah, I agree. With because that. I think Mahomes is one of those guys that raises everybody's level around him. But if you don't have Tyreek Hill, I don't know what's going to happen there. Maybe Tyreek Hill is in the lineup week one. Maybe he misses the whole season. We have no idea right now. That's a big game changer to me. The only thing with them for sustaining their success is coaching. And Andy Reid, to me, is one of the top five coaches at any given time during his entire career. I know he hasn't won a Super Bowl, but the amount of success that this guy has had everywhere he's been is really incredible. And he just seems to have such a creative offensive mind that he's the zimmer of the offensive side. Like No matter how old he gets, he keeps adjusting, keeps finding new ways to throw off opposing defenses. And look at Alex Smith's career in Kansas City. I mean, I would have thought several times he would have fallen off and they would have fallen back when they had good seasons, and they didn't. They just stayed at the top. But I totally agree that these teams that we just assume are going to be great, the Los Angeles Chargers are another one. I could see them going 12-4 and again, or I could see Phillip Rivers hitting the Manning wall and not be able to throw a football anymore. Yep. Could definitely see that. And, of course, no surprise, can Phillip Rivers lead the Chargers? Like, you know, just every one of these is the He's quarterback. He's what, 38? He's uh, near 40. He's pushing 40. Yeah. He's got to be. He's, I don't have it in front of him. He's got to be close to 40. He's got like 74 kids, too. Does he sleep? Is he a Hall of Famer? I think he is, ultimately, yes. Yeah, I think he is. So we think he's better than Donovan McNabb because we talked uh, yes. about the McNabb. Yes. And and McNabb, mm. McNabb is going to lose points because of Andy Reid. Yes, I agree. Andy Reid is so good that, that we're now going to look at his list of quarterbacks, and some will go into Canton, but not all will, and they will be deducted points because of the fact that they played in his system. And you're right, he always adjusts, and he's outstanding. I want to look at the difference here between Rivers. I mean, Donovan McNabb went in his career, he went, is it 1L or 2? Okay, it's 1L. Uh, he went 98-62 and 62 in his career. And Rivers is 118 and 90. Do you know what people don't forget? Throwing up on the field in a I Super Bowl. I know. That's, what's, these are that's voters. what's really going to hurt These are him. guys that sit in a room and debate this stuff, and they're not going to forget that. So McNabb was a six-time Pro Bowler. Rivers clearly playing longer as an eight-time Pro Bowler. I think it's fairly comparable for where they ranked uh, in the league at any given time. Never quite at the top, but always really good. It's a good so. talker, though. Enjoy the show. Thanks for uh, jo- uh, dropping in, Judd, for this hour. We will be back with more football talk tomorrow and every day here on Purple Daily. Coming up next, Mackie and Judd with Rami. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.